value-centered rather than rules-driven, uh, what we're going to deal with quite interestingly is why do we eat chont on Shabbos? And that sounds like quite a, that sounds like quite a simple kind of a thing. Why we chant in Shabbos? Because uh, we can't know the reason. Chant, as we call it in the in, in Ashkenaz, nobody knows where the word really comes from. Some say it comes from the word shelan, food which was cooking overnight. Um, and chamin, uh, as the uh, as the Sfardim call it, which is a much more accurate word to use for for cholent. Uh, and there's a very deep halachic reason apart from the obvious. For the for the uh, uh, for, for the having of chant, and it all is linked to to a a, a a side comment in our sugya, but one that's quite core to the whole area of tuma and taro, uh, which is that based on the posuk in Bamidbar of the hizaha tahora latame This is talking about purifying somebody from tumata mate using the pora aduma. The third day he gets sprinkled. The seventh day, vechit o bayom hashvi vechibes begadav, and he becomes cleansed on the seventh day. Verachatz ba'mayim v'taher ba'arev, and he then goes to the mikveh and he's tahor in the evening. From there we learn vechit o bayom hashvi v'hu gemar taharato. That is the completion of the tahara is on the on the seventh day, and we learn in in Yuma daf mem gimel. Uh, Tahor means he has emerged from Tum'ah, which means he's not completely Tahor yet. Until the sun sets that night, he can't handle Kodshim, but he can handle Truma. So he is partially Tahor. Can a partially Tahor person handle the, the Porah Duma? The answer is yes. He only needs to, to no longer be Tameh, even though he is not yet fully Tahor. So you see here, there's a scale of 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 in the process of becoming tahor. It's not binary. It's not one or the other. You start off tameh, and over a period of time, ending with sunset, you become tahor. And once that process has started uh, on that seventh day, he can already handle the the efer hapara. Limeid al tibul yom We learn from that that a tibul yom, somebody who's still has to. Um, has to wait for the for the sun to go down. He's not completely tahor. He's called a tibul yom. Can can handle the para. When you're dealing with new concepts, and we're dealing in Tumantara, very unfamiliar territory, the Rambam is a wonderful Rebbe. The Rambam gives you the information you need to be able to understand what's going on. The Rambam says, Anybody who is um, busy with the, the para aduma, any part of it from the beginning to the end, tibul yom is kasher. And he may do all these different things and he brings it from here. In the next halacha, hatsidukim hayu omrim, the tzidukim, so during the second base hamikdash, you had the tzidukim and the baitusim who were people who rejected the chazal's gezerot and the chazal's way of learning and Torah Shabbat Peh. And they would say, she'ein ma'aseh ha'parah kasher, ela shemesh. You had to wait till sunset before you could handle the parah. It doesn't help that you've been to the mikveh uh, and you've done all the things that you need to do. So what the chachomim used to do to 
demonstrate, this is how important it was to them, and we'll discuss why it was so important, to demonstrate the right way they would touch the Kohen with a sheritz. They would take a dead insect, a dead whatever, and they would touch the Kohen with it. So the Kohen now becomes Tameh. Everybody could see he's now Tameh. He goes to the mikveh, and before evening, he's busy handling the paradumat. So it's to see that all he's done is he's gone to the mikveh, but he hasn't waited for sunset, so that shows we don't hold like the baitasim. So as to annul the words of these Zaydim, these deliberate people, What is the definition of a tzaduki? Somebody who paskins halacha from their own opinions and not from mesoira. So nowadays, that's the, the, the secular movement, the, the reform movement and the conservative movement. And one has to be very careful in, in the edges of modern orthodoxy as well, where Rabonim, who, who don't have Mesora, are Paskani Shilas. And to Paskin without Mesora, says the Rambam or the Zaydim that we're, that we're acting against. And in our in our Mishnah Gemara, in our Daf Chav Gimel, it brings the Mishnah Metami Metahayu Et Akoyin Asorefe Et Apara. This very activity that used to be Metami the Koyin Lotzi Midiban Shel Tzedikim Shayomim B'Muvei Shemishat That's the source for the Rambam in Halacha Yedalid. Is in our very Gemara. Where does he get it from? What, what, what is this? Let's go further because there are other examples. There are many examples where we do things like that. We change the process of Shmirat Halacha so as to counter the opinion of the tzedukim. What are some of the other cases? So there's an amazing Baal Hamor. The Baal Hamor we've spoken about before. The Baal Hamor, 12th century, he was born in, in Girona in, in Spain, but moved very young to Narvona in France, in, in the south of France, in Provence. And that's where he learned and where he taught and where he wrote. And he was very concerned that the riff had overwhelmed the, the Western world, so to say, even Europe, with with his halachas, everybody was paskening like the Rif. And we've discussed before the Rif and the Rambam don't explain their lomdas. The difference in the two schools is that the Tosfut school explain their lomdas. They give their reasoning. You understand how they get to where they get, like the great Shalot, Shalos and Chuvas of nowadays. You've got the whole development of, of, of halacha um, and uh, uh, the, the halachic thinking and the, the process, the methodology. Uh, is there. I was chatting to Rav Bairi over Shabbos and I said to him that Moshe Fine said to me, the, I don't care about the bottom line. You don't have to follow my bottom line as long as you understand the Lomdas. If after you've gone through the Lomdas, you reach a different conclusion, do what you want to do. You don't have to follow me. But, I, but I, the main part I've given you is, to, is how to reason, how to think it through. Um, and the Balamor was worried that people were adopting the Rif. The Rif was like a they have deal like a like a, a digest. It was just a shortened form of the Gemara. They weren't learning Gemara. They were passing like the riff. Uh, the Gemara wasn't always available, and he was worried that the whole Lomdus was being forgotten. So he wrote a parish on the riff, attacking the riff, questioning the riff, demonstrating that it's not so simple. Well, where the riff gets it from? Is it right that we hold like the riff? Much like the Raivet did with the Rambam, is what the Baal Hamaur did. Balamor is known also as the Razar Halevi. So the, the Balamor says, a beautiful Balamor, and some people say that this eating hot on Shabbos is a takanat chazal, bechamin, that you have to have something warm on Shabbos. It's not just because it's cold. There's actually a takona, you've got to have warm on Shabbos. And anybody who doesn't eat warm on Shabbos, who doesn't have a chontilan, you've got to check his yichus. 
You've got to check his thinking. There's something wrong with him. Imhumin, maybe he's an apicurus. Um, and when such a person dies, a person who doesn't have chons on Shabbos, get the goyim to bury him. It's not something you should, uh, you should worry about. One has to prepare and cook and do hatmana, put things on the plateau or, or whatever for Shabbos. And to make it fat and delicious. That's a mamin. Somebody who prepares a proper chant, that's a, that's a, a, a mamin. Says the Balamor. Where does the Balamor get that from? Where does that come from? I found a sefer that I've never heard of before. And the reason I've never heard of before is because until 200 years ago, until 20 years ago, it was only in manuscript. Nobody really knew. We knew it existed and it was quoted by Tosfos and others also. 12th century, Spain, also the same as the uh, same area, more or less, and the same time as the Balamor. And I've said to you, south of France and Spain were quite well linked. So it's very possible that the, I don't know who was, First, they were live, they lived, they overlapped, their lives overlapped. He's Rabbi Yehuda ben Barzilai Habarceloni. He comes from Barcelona. And Rabbi Yehuda ben, Yehuda ben Barzilai wrote a sefer called Sefer Ha'itim. The haloch is attached to time. So Shabbos and Yom Tov is what he deals with there. And he talks about Hatmanat Chamin, putting away hot food and keeping it warm for Shabbos. And he says also that the people who, who don't do this are from the descendants or students of Baitus, the Baitusim, who don't understand the importance of Shabbos. And we'll see still why that's so important. If a person doesn't eat hot on Shabbos, he deserves to be put in Cherem. And there's Apikursus involved. And separate him out, don't make him part of the community. This is such a serious, what? Such a serious thing? Somebody doesn't have chons on Shabbos? You're not going to give him an aliyah in the shul because of that? Why, why can't my father have an aliyah? Because he doesn't need chons on Shabbos. Really? Imagine if we said that. What would happen? What is it about? And the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, it'll halacha. Put things away to have hot on Shabbos. Because that's how you mechabed and you and you enjoy the Shabbos. So the Shulchan Aruch just modifies it slightly and says anybody who doesn't, not just who doesn't eat chons on Shabbos, anybody who says you can't, you shouldn't. That's the that's the problem. Then then Chayshin and Shema Pikurus will be worried that he's not Pikurus based on a run. The Morgan Avron says, And if you can't eat something hot on Shabbos, eat something cold. There's no din that you've got to punish yourself. It's made for oneg. It's not made for suffering. So if somebody doesn't like chont or doesn't like anything hot in the daytime or at summertime and it's very difficult to eat something top, then you don't do it. Says the uh, the prima godim. Uh, because karate Shabbat one kol adam This is the same with the din of shalashudas. If you're stuffed and you can't eat shalashudas, you don't have to force yourself because this is for oneg Shabbos. It's given to us for oneg. It's not given to us for suffering. Each one according to his own ability. And the Mishnah Brura therefore brings the whole nefesh lo yasumi min hag Yisrael. This is a minag Yisrael lahat min chamin al Shabbos to put warm food away on Friday. Ule kayem mitzvat oneg Shabbat kasher nagu avotenu me olam. To keep Shabbos the way our forefathers have kept Shabbos forever, eating cholent, having something warm, chamin. 
v'shomei mitzvah v'zeh lashon balamor, and then he quotes the balamor. He actually quotes the very balamor that we've learned. So why is this so, so terribly important? If you understand the machlokes then between um, the tzedukim and the and and the and, and the chachomim, the tzedukim, and you'll see now how dangerously close we can get to that. The tzedukim looked at halacha from the perspective of the object. And when you look at halacha from the object, is it kosher or is it treif? Is it this or is it that? It gets very binary. Is it A or is it B? Is it mutter or is it also? It says you can't have lights on Shabbos, so you can't, have, you don't, can't light, light on Shabbos. What do I mean? Then no lights. It says you can't cook on Shabbos, then don't have anything hot. They, there is no, I've, I've talked to, particularly in the Shabbos halacha, Turin Shulchan I've talked about halacha being a spectrum and psak being finding the place on that spectrum de- depending on the circumstance in which you find yourself. That's what a posek does. So the first thing is when you're learning halacha is to know the full spectrum, not just one little spot on the spectrum. You need to know the full spectrum of halacha. And then in psak, you've got to slide backwards and forwards to find the right position for that person in that circumstance. That's what a posek does. But the tzedukim had no spectrums. It was black or white. That's what it was at the very, and that creates fundamentalism and rigidity. If there's no spectrum, it's either yes or no, and it's usually no. Um, whereas Chazal look at it from the relationship between the subject and the object. Halacha is the relationship between Gavra and Hefta, and that's nuanced, and that is contextual, and that is incremental. So when it comes to Tuma, the Tuma and Tyro, the, the Tzedukim say, he's got to be completely Tahor, otherwise he's Tameh. And Chazal said, no, there's a spectrum. He's, tam- he's tahor for, tu- for Truma, but not for Kodesh. He's on that spectrum. And to deal with the Eifer Apara, you need to be at this point in the spectrum. You don't have to go to the very end. That's Chazal's whole world view. That's how they look at, at Halakha. Whereas the Tzedukim is, is he Tome or is he Tor? Well, he's certainly not Tor because he still has to wait. So then he's Tome. No, but the Torah says not so. And the same with the with the with the chant. You can't have you can't cook or you can't turn on you can't put turn on lights. So sit in darkness. So so they ruin the soul of the halacha. What is Hashem trying to do with Shabbos to make it oneg and covered? And they make Shabbos terrible and hard and difficult. Why? Because they have no spectrum. Because they have no nuance. Because they have no context. So it's yes or no. It's black or white. The danger of being a black and white person, we spoke about the and and the or, the danger about being a black and white person, a black and white leader, a black and white husband or wife, a black and white parent, it's this or it's that, and, and one becomes rigid and you're not dealing with real human beings when you, come, when you become rigid. Um, and so it's important that when we're operating, whether it's with halakha or with any other rules that you set for your household or rules that you set for your business or for your team or for whoever, it's very important that the rules are values driven. What is the value that underpins the rule? And apply the values, not just the rule. It's not just about checking a box and saying, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. Understand the principle. The, um, once when I was getting onto an LR flight years ago, uh, I was probably rolling my eye when the girl who was doing the security check was asking me all the routine questions. And she stopped and she looked me in the eye and she said something that you would never find in the United States with the TSA. You know, she looked me in the eye, she said, do you know why I'm asking you these questions? Do you understand? Getting down to the values. I said, yes, of course, because you've got this list and it's security. I understand. She paused and she said, no, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I care about you and I really don't want anything to happen to you. 
wow, that changes everything. And it changes the whole relationship. And it changes, just understand the value behind the rule. Understand Shmira Shabbos with its value. Understand Tuma and Tara with the value. Not just a binary yes or no, a mutter or osur. That's what halacha is. Don't get into turning halacha into a set of rules. Make sure that the, yeah, the rules are there, but the rules are manifestation of values and principles that underpin them. That's how Chazal learn and teach Torah and halacha. And that's what we battle against and demonstrate against because of the approach of the tzedukim. They weren't like, like reforming that they didn't keep halacha. The tzedukim were very from, but they were from in a binary, rigid, fundamentalist way. It's Torah Shebaal Peh, it's understanding the spectrum that avoids Judaism, that avoids our religion from becoming fundamentalist like the extremities of many other religions become. It's because we work with spectrum, because we work with values. We don't work with binary rules that make us, make us rigid and intolerant.